Welcome to Winging It. Thank you for winging it with us. This is the good old A-Team. I'm Andrew, joined as always by Alex and Ali. The Eagles are 7-1. That's pretty darn good. We beat the Washington Commanders yesterday 38-31. It was a interesting game, uh, to say the least, but a win is a win. And I know it's cliche, but I'm going to keep riding with that. 7-1 feels good. Ali, going to start off with you. Um, how does it feel, man? How does your Monday feel? You know, how are you feeling after yesterday's win? Are the Eagles like still, are, are, are we the cream of the crop? Like what, what are we good? What's up? I feel good. Uh, I'll first start off with, I feel good personally because our Instagram page continues to gain traction. We are growing. We are gaining followers. If you haven't followed us on Instagram, please drop us a follow at wingin.it.pod. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please do not forget to subscribe and hit that notification bell so you do not miss another episode. Additionally, please drop us a follow on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Uh, Regarding the game yesterday... I don't know how to feel, you know, at the beginning of the season, when we did our prediction episode, I predicted that we would be seven and one and it happened exactly as it, as I predicted it to be. We lost against the jets. We are here at this point. Uh, Just as a secret to you guys, I did get the NFL script for the Eagles um, before the season. That's how I knew how (laughs) it was going to end up, but I don't feel as good as I would hope to feel at this point in the season, because back in September, We were talking about don't overreact. We're still trying to find our identity. Um, Our offense is finding ways to click and score points when our defense isn't doing well. Our defense is finding ways to hold other teams' offenses when our offense isn't doing well. Um, And yesterday was just a continuation of that. Our offense was moving up and down the field. A.J. Brown got his record. Uh, but our defense couldn't find find ways to to stop the pass, and Sam Howell was looking like the second coming of Tom Brady. So, <laughs> a lot to go over in this game. I feel good about the win. I'm just not happy with the lack of consistency on both sides of the football, week in and week out. How about you, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think I feel a little bit differently. Um, guys, we're watching the San Francisco 49ers just absolutely implode, lost three straight. <laughs> Um, we saw the Chiefs lose against the Broncos, snapping a 16-game winning streak that they had. It's any given Sunday in the NFL. I know we want our team to be this juggernaut, forced to be reckoned with, so on and so forth. And there were definitely times I was yelling at my TV yesterday, but it just goes to show like, we are the best team in the NFL. We have the best record in the NFL. And I look at our gauntlet, like we're here. We are here at this part that we've been fearing. 
and I'm looking at the next six games, and I'm just like, guys, if we go four and two, like not only do I think that we are going to win the NFC, uh, but have home field advantage and most likely get to a Super Bowl with this team. So just to put in perspective, Dallas, then a bye week, KC, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas, Seattle. Guys, I see four, maybe five wins out of this stretch upcoming. Consistency or not, if we go four and two here, these next six weeks, this is the most exciting time of our schedule. I'm just absolutely ready for it. I think we can do it. I'm really glad that you brought up both the 49ers and the Chiefs because that's something that I I made a mental note of wanting to lead with uh, because, yeah, now the Eagles are all alone by themselves with one loss. Uh, I actually thought the Lions only had one loss, too. I forgot that they had lost the second game. So, uh, you know, they'll be playing tonight on Monday Night Football. But, yeah, right now the Eagles are completely in the driver's seat and we're we're about to host Dallas where we have an opportunity to kind of – you know, put the foot on the throat even more and what better team to try doing that against. So it's definitely a really, really, again, another exciting season to be an Eagles fan. Um, so yeah, well, it's, and, it's and, awesome. and this, and, and actually now our division games are even more important because Dallas, like we can lose to KC. We can lose to the Niners. That doesn't really impact us because we're still going to be in a better position. We have to win the division games. So can't wait. We're going to have an awesome episode uh, this uh, Wednesday, Thursday to to kind of go through it. I'm going to have a little bit of a hot take into it. But Andrew, let's break down uh, this week's game. Two up, two down. I'll kick us off. Alex and Andrews, two up, two down. All right, guys. So if you don't know what two up, two down is, give you our two ups and two downs from the last week's game so my first up uh, well i'll give you both of them uh one is a gentleman by the name of hassan reddick and the second one is the story of jalen hurt so let's get into hassan reddick it's a very short up at the end of every big moment there's number seven either creating pressure getting the ball forcing fumbles getting a big sack hassan reddick has just I even said it yesterday. He is now my favorite defensive player because he's always coming up in really big moments. Also, his football IQ is just totally off the charts. One thing that has always been so frustrating about being an Eagles fan is like these QB boots. We can't stop the QB boot. The play action boot out. Hassan Reddick has just been shutting it down. Came up huge at a game last. Um, uh, came up huge in the game yesterday. I know it's not the most analytical take, but I just have to give this guy his own up on an episode because he is just so monumentally important to this offense, and I don't think anyone will disagree with me on that. We just give Temple we we give former Temple Owls tons of love on this podcast. Ali, I know I know you got some love for for the Temple guys. Six and a half sacks on the season. The guy is playing extremely well considering how he started off on the year. As soon as he got that cast off his thumb, it was like he was a bat out of hell. No, I, I love seeing what he's put bringing out on the field and putting in the work. And then my second up is going to be that I think Jalen Hurts, and I know that he has not played his game, his best game of football um, this year. Well, I think yesterday may have been his best game, but he hasn't played consistently at a top level. We can have all the criticism in the world week to week, but he is just showing that he is a franchise quarterback. There are so many quarterbacks, and I wish I could pull up the stats, but a lot of people do not come back from being down multiple possessions. It's just something that doesn't typically happen in the NFL. 
I really wasn't worried at all. It was what, three to seventeen or something at one point. I was like, "Nah, we'll be okay." I'm not worried about it because we have Jalen Hurts who, who came out here. I feel like he takes the good with the bad. He takes accountability, and coming back from behind is something that a lot of quarterbacks won't do. I mean, his stat line yesterday was like absolutely insane. Um, let me pull it up here. Well, just go, just go on that point, guys. Yeah, Jalen Hurts uh, again had his best season of or best game of the season yesterday, and it seems like he is continuing to get better. Whatever sideline spat he had with AJ Brown uh, on Vikings Week seemed to do the trick. Um, the guy is playing out of his mind. Uh, there was a report that came out, uh, I think, yesterday by Jay Glazer, right before the game, right before kickoff, where he said he he has a knee contusion. And that's why he's been running a little bit gimpy. Um, there's nothing that, you know, he can do to hurt it even more um, aside from like injuring it another way. But the guy is playing hurt and he's been playing hurt for the last four weeks. And you wouldn't be able to tell, right? Like there's a reason why he's not running as well as he used to because he's trying to protect that knee that he re-aggravated a couple of weeks ago. So no, I, I, he is in my mind progressing as a pocket passer and I can't wait to a see good him pocket passer, a good pocket passer. And I can't wait to see him get a little bit healthier so that that dual threat um, keeps defenses on their toes. Because right now the read option, the run pass option in my mind is not that effective when it comes to Jalen Hurts because he's mm-hmm. either passing or he's handing it off. He is not carrying the football and running with it. And I think defenses are starting to wise up to that. Yeah. And I'm going to, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go, no, no, you, no, you go first this, because yeah. And the stat line is 38 attempts, 76.3% completion, 319, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, uh, which is a which is a new one. So that that's good. We're, we're, we're on the right side over there. Uh, two sacks, four yards lost, 135.7 quarterback rating. Just give it up for, for quarterback one. I love that he can have a bad week, and that's just not his identity. It comes back and has one of the best games of his entire career. Absolutely love it. Well, that will perfectly lead into my first up, which is in a game where Jalen Hurts uh, needed to to significantly reduce his mobility because of the knee concern in a game where he was forced to throw the ball a lot. He had zero interceptions. And not only that, but he doubled his previous uh, season high of two. He's only had a high of two passing touchdowns in in a game so far this season. Yesterday, he throws for four uh, with the zero interceptions, which was really, really encouraging to see because there have. What, what does he have? Eight on the season. He was tied amongst the lead leaguers or <laughs> league leaders uh, going into this week. So um, for him to be able to step up in that way, for him to step up when he really became more one dimensional yesterday, uh, he showed that he doesn't need to rely on his legs to be an effective quarterback. He can be a pocket quarterback. And my second up is all three of our starting receivers caught a touchdown pass. And oh, to that cool. Uh, yeah, so you had AJ who who caught two touchdowns. Devontae caught one where I don't know what happened on that play, but the defense was nowhere to be found. And then Julio Jones, baby. Yes. Welcome to town, Julio. He gets uh, and, and it was a very important touchdown, too. It, it was it was a you know, you brought him in to be a red zone target. He did exactly what we wanted him to do. He caught the ball. He took a big hit afterwards and still held on. Um, so 
just to see the way the ball was spread out. I love seeing DeAndre Swift with 16 carries compared to only two for Kenneth Gainwell. I'm sure that we're going to have some things to talk about Kenneth Gainwell in a little bit, but I I really felt like just the distribution of targets, um, the balance of this offense for a second straight week really was. Um, I'm 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 impressed by it, even though it was a very close game. I think the offense still showed up. You know, in the uh, post-game press conference, uh, someone asked Jalen Hurts what it felt like to be throwing a touchdown pass to Julio Jones. He said, in all my years, I never thought I'd say I'd be throwing touchdown passes to Julio Jones, but here it is. Like, this is a guy that I'm sure Jalen Hurts watched growing up as a kid. Three touchdowns to him on Madden, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. And right now he's throwing touchdowns to him. The guy is is obviously operating at an elite enough level to where he's an NFL wide receiver. And the fact that he's our number three, like a future Hall of Fame receiver, is our number three receiver just shows the kind of depth and weapons that this offense has, uh, with some exceptions, obviously. Kenny Gainwell. And I, I don't want to uh, finish our ups without just spending at least a minute to admire what's his name? What's his name? Arthur Juan Brown. Is that is that his full Arthur name? Juan Arthur Juan Brown. Arthur Se- Juan. Senior. I thought it was senior. 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 Yeah. Guys, AJ Brown. Um, we're, we're probably watching the greatest uh, receiving year by by an Eagles receiver. Um I don't know how how he ranks so far amongst like the all time uh, leaders at this point in the season, but he is quickly approaching a thousand yards, and we're not even halfway through the season yet. Um, so I, I'm going to send it to. I want to know both of you. Like obviously that that one hand catch in the end zone is one of the best plays I've seen in real time. Um, and this is a week after Nick Sir- Sirianni said how AJ no, nobody catches the ball more more beautifully than AJ Brown does. Um, it is just an absolute pleasure watching this guy play football every week, and I I continue to be blown away by him. So uh, here is the floor for both of you to just gush over our our good friend Arthur Juan Brown. Man, I I'll be honest, I was really happy about the AJ Brown pickup when we got him. I freaked out when when we found out on draft day. I never thought that this is the player we were getting. Right? Um, he's incredible. He might go down as the best wide receiver that we've ever had in this city. And I know WIP gets a little bit crazy with some of their takes, but a lot of people are calling and saying that he is definitely in the running for MVP this year. AJ Brown really is. And I know that's always a quarterback's award. If you look at the props today, it's Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, like all these other people. But AJ Brown is the difference maker on this team. I really think that if we didn't have AJ Brown, the defense would probably play a little bit more lax and um, we probably wouldn't be doing it. We certainly wouldn't be doing as well um, if, 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 if he wasn't there. So uh, man, uh, I cannot believe that this guy is a Philadelphia Eagle. We, we are witnessing an all time goat here. The, the best number 11 in Philadelphia. <laughs> and he's like, he's not Yeah, seriously. And he's not Ali. I'll give you, you know, I, I, I'm going to hand this over to you in a sec, but for someone who is like, he, he didn't blow you know, anyone away with his 40 yard dash speed. Um, I don't like, what is it? I, you look at him and he looks, you know, he's swell Batman. He looks strong. He looks athletic, but he's not a burner, but like game after game after game, he is always open downfield and he, he just always open period. And I mean, our boy Malik, 
like I'm pretty sure that he 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 shined a light pretty heavily on that. The dude is always open. It's incredible. Ali, please give me give me some good give me some goodness here. First of all, shout out to my internet provider and my YouTube TV because it seemed like I was three plays ahead of you guys during the yeah, game yesterday. Every and week. Every, I mean, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you're, in, you're in Minnesota. What is going on? How are you, you in guys Minnesota? Got Definitely out. yesterday. Definitely yesterday. Um, but no, seriously, at that catch, I remember I texted our group thread saying like, oh my God, what did I just see? That may have been the best catch that I've seen all season. And the fact that he was able to get both his feet and both knees down before he went out of bounds is just like such a an illustration of this guy's ability to use his body position and his size and his speed and his athleticism and strength to gain the upper hand on whatever cornerback he's going up against. I remember back in the day when I was a kid watching McNabb and that great season with T.O. There was an announcer. I can't remember his name. It may have been um, it may have been uh, Tony Saragusa. May he rest in peace. Um, who who said. Uh, who said that no man that large should be moving that fast to describe T.O. And I think A.J. Brown embodies that phrase, that no man who is that large should be moving that fast. And yet he is. And not only is he moving that fast, he is strong and he's able to use his body as a weapon to get open, to find ways to be put in the best possible position, to box cornerbacks out. The guy is just a pure athletic genius and I love watching him week in and week out because even in the game against the Jets, he was still eating. So AJ Brown sets a new NFL record with six straight 125 plus yard games. He beats Calvin Johnson, who speaking of players that large moving that fast, I mean, his nick Calvin Johnson's nickname was Megatron. The dude was like six foot five probably had, you know, 20 to 30 pounds on AJ. And so here we are seeing AJ Brown overtake Amazing. Calvin Johnson for that for that NFL record. Let's get into the downs. Uh, my first down actually I'll give a, a shoot I'll give him give him both of you right now. Red zone uh red zone turnovers obviously, you know, Everyone. I'm not I'm not surprising anyone with that. And then, you know, Hassan Reddick did have a sack but that was the only sack that we had on the mm-hmm. day. So I don't think I need to elaborate too heavily on either one of these. We saw uh, the we saw the tush push finally get stopped. Uh, the worst thing we could ever see is uh, the tush push not working, and then also uh, turning the ball over when you're on the half yard line. So that was very unfortunate. And then also Kenny Gainwell. I, I Kenny Gainwell is a, a player that I want to like, and I do like him. I do like him. Um, I think it is harder to like him when I know that we have DeAndre Swift on the team who has not done anything that says don't give him the ball in the red zone. Yet it seems like Kenny Gainwell is always part of the equation once we get the ball within the 20. I'm still a little confused by it. I admire, I guess, uh, the Eagles' loyalty to to players. I mean, I, I think it's, yeah, it's a nice thing to keep sticking with a guy even after he messes up, but... It's it's really really frustrating, and those were two turnovers that really could have changed the outcome of the game. Thank the Lord that it didn't. We still were able to win despite giving the ball away twice in scoring. You know when we were about to score, so uh, that obviously was not ideal. And then yeah, just one sack. 
uh, against a team that earlier this year uh, gave up nine sacks to the Buffalo Bills. So not being able to get that much pressure on Sam Howell, I think at one point he was like 24 of 26. He was really efficient. And and Washington just lost to Chicago. They lost to the Giants. So Again, it's just one of these weird things where teams tend to play to their competition. So a little bit of that is the Eagles playing down. And a little bit of that is Washington always playing their best football against us. But bottom line is we still were able to to overcome. So those are my downs. Yeah, I don't know if it's the worst possible thing that could have happened that we fumbled during the tush push because everyone has been talking about how unstoppable this play is. It's unfair. The Eagles are cheating. Well, here's an example of guess what? It's not 100%. We do mess Mm -hmm. up sometimes. Sometimes defenses are able to take it away. So don't ban it. Uh, The second piece around Kenny Gainwell, frankly, it's it's a head scratcher for me. Nick Sirianni, you know, made the comparison to AJ Brown fumbling three games in a row last season or Jalen Hurts throwing interceptions. First of all, that is disrespectful to AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts, right? The, one guy is on a MVP tear this season, is about to overtake Calvin Johnson in yards, total yards. And the other guy was the MVP runner up and could have been the Super Bowl MVP of a losing football team in the Super Bowl last season. I, I just, I, I get that you want to keep this guy's confidence and you want to get production out of him. But when week in and week out, he's in your red zone package and he's not producing, I think it's time to move on. Maybe not necessarily move on, but try a different formula. And this unwillingness by this coaching staff to not be willing to try to put in DeAndre Swift or heck, man, like let's let's put in Rashad Penny. We haven't heard Rashad Penny's name all season. I, it's just such a head scratcher for me. What do I you think, think I would still go Boston Scott. I, I think I still go Boston Scott over Rashad Penny, but it's a mute point. I, I the point being is get Kenny out of there. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't fully disagree with with anything that that you all said. Um, here's the reality of the situation, though: is the Eagles are seven and one. We're heading into you know week eight with. Uh, is this week eight, seven and one? So that means we're heading into week nine. Um, and DeAndre Swift is still healthy. Okay, so you know we 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 know that this this guy's resume of of what it looks like with him being able to stay healthy. That's one of the biggest concerns that we have. I also think that the Philadelphia Eagles like having Kenny Gainwell in there on passing downs from his blocking perspective. So they must see something from a personnel to say, hey, Kenny Gainwell does do better in this situation than not. All things considered, um, I hear it. I wrote a post on Facebook yesterday and said, why is Kenny in our red zone uh, offense? It, it makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, if, if, if we're going to have him as a passing down back, that's totally okay. But having him in the red zone is like ridiculous. The Dude, Eagles, why is honestly. He, why, why is he DMing fans at halftime? <laughs> like. What are you doing, Kenny? Like, yeah. dude, go, go watch some film before you go dude. out there in the second half. So, so if anyone didn't see it, Kenny Kenny Gainwell <laughs> responded back to, <laughs> responded back to a fan, and he and and he said, "Don't message me, little boy, or whatever." And the, and the fan said, "Yo, put your phone away." <laughs> That's all he <laughs> said. <laughs> what are you doing? Put your phone away. I didn't think you'd actually answer. <laughs> yeah, what you, dude? What are you doing? Put your phone away. Go play. It's halftime. Um, we should have put fifty two up on the Commanders yesterday. That tush push is usually automatic. It didn't happen. Kenny Gainwell fumbled it at like the two, three yard line is what it is. Um, but I, I, I do think it was, it was a convincing win. 
speaking of running backs, I do have one comment, so I'll get into my downs. It's the last touchdown we scored. 153 left, no timeouts on the other side of the two-minute warning. Swift, there was a lot to unpack from this last touchdown. First off, we showed him a trick play that involves a tush push. Don't do the trick play that involves a tush push because we may need a trick play that involves a tush push in a really important game coming up down the line. Not when we're already up and you can run the clock down to 30 seconds. DeAndre Swift ran, got past the first down, went into the end zone. He should have slid there. We should have bled the clock out because what happened was is we gave them the ball back with one minute. They go back and score and we're one onside kick away from being able to do it when you could have avoided the whole thing altogether. And the next time Sam Howell touched the ball is actually going to be garbage time and nothing was going to happen. A field goal was still two possessions and, and, and we missed a minute 53 with three downs to be able to get that. I, I think Nick Sirianni has moments of immaturity and that was a moment of immaturity. It was something that you should have said, Swift, do not score here because we're going to bleed the clock out. The only way you can guarantee you will win is if you don't give the other team the ball. I absolutely hated it. They showed us, they showed him a trick play from our arsenal on the play that defines Philadelphia. Everyone's com- complaining about, and it just wasn't a heads up play. I hated it. Andrew's smiling. I don't think he actually does, but I hate it. And then, well, I just um, I, I needed that touchdown badly by DeAndre Swift for my for my fantasy team. Uh, I don't so care I, about your fantasy. But, but, I don't care but, about your fantasy. <laughs> what do you mean you don't care about my fantasy? I thought everybody cared about my fantasy team. No, but it. it all, I'm also smiling because it's like, did we learn nothing from the Jets game when we when Brees Hall scored at the end of the game? And, and right. that was the worst thing the Jets could do. So that was more so why I was yeah. really smiling. <coughs> Sorry, I keep coughing, guys. Um, and then the next thing is Eric Bieniemy is giving the NFL the blueprints on how to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. You pepper in a little bit of motion, get your guys bunched up over here, do a little slant over the middle. It's a guaranteed. There were so many boneheaded defensive lineups that I saw and said, that's going to be a guaranteed first down. He did it to us in the Super Bowl. He looked way back at film and said, hey, what worked against the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Philadelphia Eagles? Let's run it two plays in a row and score two touchdowns with it, right? Um, I don't like it. I think Sean Desai is amazing. I think that we have the weapons and the personnel. I'm really excited with the, with the Bayard pickup. And even he had some criticism after the game. Eric Bieniemy is giving the blueprints to the whole entire league to say, hey, here's how you stop the best team in Philly. We are three nobodies with a podcast. If we can make that uh, association, there's certainly going to be some head coaches that can make that as well. So that's my second down. Yeah, Drew, when you called out the the single sack in the game, I looked it up. The Eagles, I think, had five sacks on the commanders in the first game, and they still put up 31 points against us. So I don't think it's an, a, a necessarily an element of get more sacks equals less points. I, I do think this offensive scheme that Eric Bieniemy put together, he's got our number uh, on our secondary. Reed Blankenship, so scary a guy Terry. Scary Terry he, always eats against us, man. <laughs> I, always, always. But you know what's and, crazy? Like, sorry, not to cut you off, but Jahan. So they had two receivers that actually had more yards than McLaren. So Jahan Dotson had eight for 108, geez. and Jamison Crowder had seven for 95. McLaren only had not only, but five for 63. Sam Howell was three yards away from 400 yards and four touchdowns. So hello, defense. Where where you at? Yeah, and and frankly, let's we're talking about the passing game right this is 
they ran all over us. They ran all over us. We were the number one rush defense. I think we still are the number one rush defense. And they were able to get 59 yards on Brian Robinson. Um, and I think it was a total of uh, 84 yards. I mean, we were giving up like 63 yards uh, per game. So that by itself allows you to set up play action. It allows you to set up draw plays. It allows you to do so many different things offensively when you establish the run, something, by the way, that we haven't done. And we didn't necessarily talk about it, right? Because our coaching, uh, the the play calling was, was so heavily in favor of the pass that we weren't able to establish the run. But from a secondary perspective, I, I just don't know what the solution is. Maybe it is just Eric Bieniemy is just such an offensive-minded genius that he's able to figure out how to get to the Eagles and no one else can do it. But we were seeing guys like Reed Blankenship who are const- like super reliable. Guys like Bradbury getting burned. Guys like Slay getting burned. And I just don't understand if we saw the same formula played against us in week four, why we couldn't adjust to it yesterday. They don't pay me enough money to make those decisions. I have no idea at all. I do think that there is. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm again, I'm looking at the box score here, and, and I see, you know, N'Kobe Dean had 12 tackles. I see Sidney Brown had eight tackles. I see Nolan Smith was out there for a little bit. Kevin Byard had seven tackles. So what does that tell me? That tells me that right now you're working with a few rookies that are still trying to find their footing or players that were just picked up that, again, are, are trying to just, mm-hmm build chemistry with the team. So the reality is, is that we're approaching week nine. This is basically like the halfway point of the season. Uh, It's tough for our pass defense to look much worse than it's looked, to be honest. So I feel like it can only go up from here. And I'm hoping that as these players continue to get more experience, as this defense continues to gel more and more, and really as long as Jalen Carter plays every single game, we are still undefeated when Jalen Carter takes the field. Uh, it does look like he did have an injury on his back, and they said that it's very, very, very concerning, at least like from the analysis that I heard today. So keep oh, no. an eye on what's going on with Jalen Carter. They said he was very distraught on the sideline, stretching it out, and when a big guy like that has a back injury, you know it's pretty bad. So what this tells me is that if he doesn't play and we lose to the Cowboys, that means that Jalen Carter is the true MVP. Correct. Because – Nobody makes a bigger difference. Correct. Correct. That is correct. That is absolutely what that means. But it's also a good reminder and an opportunity for us to reflect on not only the offensive prowess and defensive, you know, uh, aggressiveness that we had last season, but frankly, it takes a whole lot of luck to get to that stage where we were last year with as little injuries as we had last year. And I think this year we're you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago. There's a regression to the mean that has to happen throughout every single season. We're seeing it with Jalen Hurts and his turnovers this year. We're also seeing it with injuries as well across this this uh, this team. And I think the testament to how successful and how open minded this coaching staff is going to be is how they deal with that with those injuries and and how they adjust to them. So, yeah, I agree. Well, we're going to need all hands on deck. It's going to be a huge. Huge week here in Philly. The trash talk is already starting. Uh, This is the game. No matter how good or bad we're doing in a season, there is nobody's head we want more than the Dallas Cowboys. So it's going to be a good week. A lot is on the line. Lots of bragging rights. Lots of storylines are going to be 
uh, coming from it. So we're going to break it down for you later this week. Cannot wait. Hopefully Jalen Carter is rested and ready to go. With that being said, uh, this has been episode 67 of Winging It. We'll catch you guys in a few days. Go Birds. Go Birds.